Sound check. One, two, one, two. This is the opening. Hello, hello, hello. This is uh, this is me. Uh, this is Anthony. That's us. We're it's back. Us. Are you ready? Oh, I'm about as ready as I can be for this. To be yeah. Okay. This is a, this is a bit of a in, different in, one. In front of the camera is kind I know. of different. We'll have to keep looking that way. Do we? Do we uh, have to no, it? only at the start, I think. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping Your House Warm, where we talk anything and everything uh, about New Zealand's property market. We keep you updated with uh, what's going on, uh, mm. with some major news. We also like to have a bit of fun here. We do. Yeah, uh, we, do. Yeah, we, do. Um, we try to find some outrageous news stories, again, still relating to the finance and property uh, market in New Zealand. I'm your host, Anthony, and sitting next to me, as always, is Finance's Business Development Manager, Keelan. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me back. Mm. So a bit of a change for us, Keelan. We Mm. usually uh, record these in audio form. Yes. But now we're in video form. Yeah. Uh, So we're on the big screen, eh? Yeah, big screen. People are watching us. So please, please be nice. Um, So why is that, Keelan? Uh, Well, so, you know, I mean, not only do people seem to enjoy, like, listening to us Mm. In their in their ears, whispering away. Um, I think they now deserve to see us on the big screen. I think yeah. they do deserve actually see our faces. Yeah, this is our um, faces. This is what we look like, and this is also what we sound like. This may actually destroy it for you. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, but when I watch people that just do the audios, <laughs> it's completely different. We idea. have a face for radio. I think. Yeah, what, that's the, yeah, that's that's the, the same. Yeah, yeah. We have a face so for maybe radio. it's one and done, but you know. We'll give it a how, try. Well, who knows how popular this gets. <laughs> Let's see how well the comments treat us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully this episode does go well. Um, so. But for our regular listeners, nothing has really changed. It's still us. We're um, still we. Yeah. yeah. It's us. Yeah. Um, so, our first topic today, Keelan, mm. um, it might sound bad, uh, but is it really that bad? Uh, the official cash rate has gone up even more. Mm. What's it gone up to now? So, we're setting up to 2.5. Uh, up on the last point, which was point two. Uh, two. Mm. So we, we have seen another jump, um, unfortunately. So for everybody out there who's got a mortgage at the moment, you're going to start seeing that your rates are probably going to start to move again sometime soon. Move up? Move up. Wow. Yeah. So we've already seen uh, the floating rates, which is all the ones that change the market goes. Those mm. ones have already made their move. They've already moved up. Uh, most of them have jumped up that 0.5 right yeah so now we're sitting i think they're sitting around the six percent for most of the floatings which compared to last time we're sitting at around 5.5 so that's where we're seeing the jump and the reason for that is is that the ocr rate is the rate at which the banks borrow money mm-hmm. right so if you're borrowing money at two percent you need to be charging it out at something higher than that otherwise you're losing money on it yeah. so for the banks 2.5 is where it's at. They need to add on like another three, three and a half percent for their margin to cover the costs, to cover lending, to cover mm. the business. Um, and so that's where they get to now. And that's why we're seeing our rates start to sit around that five and a half, six percent. Um, so in doing that, they are hoping that the increase in this OCR is going to slow down the inflation rate. So it's going to hopefully help getting New Zealand's inflation Hopefully. under control. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, but what that does mean is that, you know, the hurt starts to come back onto people's pockets. Yeah. Right? Uh, everyday items start to get more and more expensive because those places have borrowed money. Those places have borrowed money from the banks, most likely, mm. and the banks have had to put up their rates. So that all feeds back to the consumer. Um, so unfortunately, that does mean that everyday items are starting to become more expensive. 
more than more, now. More than now, mortgage <laughs> rates are going to start going up, so repayments are going to be higher. Mm. That's at least where we've been seeing things over the last couple of months. But you know, on the other side to that, we've recently just seen that the banks have had to pull back on some of their interest rates because they overstepped how far they thought the rates were going to jump oh, at the wow. time. Yeah. So what they had done is that most banks were offering around uh, 5.8 for a two-year rate, but they all found that to be too harsh. And they found that nobody was taking it. They found that it was just unaffordable for a lot of people, so they had to bring that back down. So there's kind of like an against argument here that rates are going to continue going, right? Um, being that the banks have already started to have to pull back. Yeah. Because they're realizing that if they keep rising rates too fast and you know out of control, more likely people are going to default on their mortgages. Now, that's not to say that that is what's going to happen, right? Yeah. But it is certainly a worry for people. And what happens is then is that people have to sell their houses and the banks will definitely lose money almost 100% of the time when it goes to that situation mm. because they have to pay for the agents. They have to pay lawyers fees, there's time that that money's sitting there unrepaid. So it hurts their bottom line. So they want to avoid doing that at all costs because the more houses that default, the more houses are into the market. And so the lower the value of properties. So they get back even less money. It's a vicious cycle of, you know, pumping into the market. It's just basically, it's terrible. So they want to avoid doing that as much as possible, right? Putting them into a point where people have to default on their mortgages or sell them off because they can't afford the properties anymore, it's the last thing the banks want to do. Yeah. Because it's impossible for them to really make any more money off them if everybody's forced to sell. So if you are worried about it, then maybe you do need to consider looking at your longer term options because yeah. you know the banks offered six months, one year, two year, three year, four year, and five year options, you know? Um, I would say that in most people's cases, you really need to pick which is going to be best for you. If you, if your personal opinion is that you know things may get better soon, then take a shorter term. But if you feel like things are going to get maybe like this for a little bit longer and you want to be safe, then maybe consider a longer term. Mm. Um, always, just as a point of note here, guys, you should always consult an actual mortgage advisor or a financial advisor before you go ahead and make any decisions like this. This is purely just open-ended commentary. This is really just us talking about how you know we generally see the market. Mm. This is not financial advice. It does not directly relate to you. Um, yeah. Just like to clear that out for everybody and make sure nobody takes me up on this no, that's good. advice. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you know, it all comes down to what your personal circumstances are because somebody may have two, three million dollars worth of lending. Yeah. But I may only have four hundred k. So when interest rates go up, the repayments for me don't really change all that much. But if somebody with a $2 million, $3 million mortgage, rates go up 0.1% of a percent, that's like an extra $1,000 a week for them easily. Mm. So, you know, everyone's situation is different. So you always need to just consider things for yourself, not look at the whole market. Because otherwise, if you have to try and monitor everybody else and what everything else is going on, you're gonna you're gonna lose your head. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where I think things are going at the moment. And and there's a lot of cases out there. There's a lot of the chief economists um, in the banks. Some banks are saying, you know, we're gonna reach, we're gonna cap out of this year, and interest rates will start to turn on the downward trend as we get with our cycles. Um, at Christmas, 
But then others are saying we've still got another year of this before we really start to mm. see a spike on the decline again of interest rates. Mm. So it really comes down to which one you want to believe. <laughs> yeah, There's nothing's like, really concrete. Everything just seems to go up and down. Yeah. And it's really hard to predict. Yeah, nobody's got a crystal ball that can see the future for, no. for, for mm. with 100% certainty, right? If we did, this wouldn't be a problem at all. Because we could all we could all just estimate this and, yeah. all, and it's all yeah. sorted out perfectly. Well, essentially, you'll have like months or maybe years of people waiting for the house prices to go down with you know little or uh, no you know big payments really. Because mm -hmm. if if that is the case, then we all just wait. Nobody buys houses and just wait for those perfect situations to come up. You know, which will be very rare. Yeah, few between because it's. You know, maybe at the start of COVID, that was probably the closest thing where we had to like yeah. a perfect 2%. scenario. <laughs> the banks were desperate to pump out mortgages. So they yeah. dropped those rates hard. Mm -hmm. House prices were at an all-time low because people were so worried about being able to afford their mortgages. And so it was just easy. Banks mm -hmm. were chucking out money. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, although that isn't a perfect scenario, that's probably the closest thing to a perfect scenario that we've got out there. Um, so unless there's another pandemic that rolls around, uh, unfortunately, I don't. I realistically, I don't think that's going to be the case ever again. No. Now, another point to this is, um, um, so we put out a weekly video. Of, you know, we film our boss and she gives an opinion mm. on these on these matters. Well, the, her opinion is that, um, you know, the, the Reserve Bank is doing this fairly quickly to try and control inflation because, you know, the election year is coming up next year. And they, and, you know, the whole purpose of changing things for the voters is that they're comfortable mm. and they would want to vote for these the you know, same person yes. again, right? Do you think that'll that'll you know contribute much, or I think politics always plays into this, yeah. right? Like I, I the person like in charge is, yeah, the person in charge is always going to do, yeah. when it, especially when it comes to the election times. They're always going to start changing their campaigns or how they run things. Yeah. Too, it's an unfortunate part, right? Like it's how you stay in office so that you continue to doing what you think is in the best right. And that's why there's political parties, right? It's the whole point of the political parties is where you where you don't agree with one view. The other mm. one's got your back or that one will agree with you more. So if you want to stay you know, in control so that you can continue to do what you think is right, you're, you're going to have to sweeten people, <laughs> sweeten, sweeten the deal for a lot of people. So yeah, so maybe that's the their case right now is that they're looking to try and get things under control as soon as possible. So when it comes to election time in that moment, yeah. the only people, the only thing people will think is, wow, they've really got it under control. Mm. Let's take them yeah. again for another term and let's see what they can do. Yeah, well, it's almost like they need the voters' trust, you know, just to see if they're actually getting things under control before they can vote for them again, or maybe not. Yeah, well, yeah. it's like, you know, if you if you trust something, mm. you're going to go for it again. Yeah. But if you don't trust something, you're going to take a chance on the other. Yeah. Because, well, even though you don't trust it, you don't know it. So you may take the chance mm. to see if you can. It's like changing cars or buying a new phone that you it was from someone you don't know, you're yeah. buying Apple versus Android. Or mm. Samsung, you know, been with Apple your whole life. Give Samsung a try. You might uh, find out that you actually enjoy it better. <laughs> so you don't want them to have to leave in the first place. Yeah. You don't want them to think that they have to look to someone else. Mm. Um, but you never know. This could just be a case of them just doing what is right and them getting it under control. Although to a lot of people, they may not see that as being the case. They may see this as them just increasing it for the sake mm. of being money hungry. Oh, I don't think we'll see things changing too quickly. I think it's, it'll be a slow, uh, slow change. I mean, I guess in terms of you know them, why they've been bumping up the OCR the way they have. They're not doing it for the sake of that they just need the money or they're money hungry and they're yeah. trying to line their pockets. 
they're trying to do things to correct what else they had given out during these tougher times mm. in the past, right? Yeah. They're only doing it so they can get everybody else back on track. Well, let's get off this uh, political talk, Helen, because mm-hmm. we're not here to talk politics. Uh, let's switch things up to some lighter news. In previous episodes, we've talked about banks offering huge cashbacks, as much as $20,000 in some cases. So now ANZ has joined the bandwagon um, and is now offering a 1% home loan top-up. And it's a fixed rate for three years, and you can borrow up to $80,000. So this product is called the um, ANZ Good Energy Home Loan. Mm. Uh, so, Keelan, what are the conditions to this product and what can I buy? So, the ANZ Good Energy Home Loan is, is essentially it's a top-up. So, if you have an existing mortgage and you have available equity, you can normally top that up to use as you please, right? Yeah. So, it's the same thing here. You can top it up to use it as you please. However, with this one, there is a specific purpose behind it. The specific purpose is that you have to do something environmentally friendly with it, so something green. Mm-hmm. Um, in most cases, that's going to be for people to uh, do insulation or uh, do some HRV systems for heating in their homes to get them warm so they don't have to burn any other types of energy. Um, it could also be to do insulation in their homes to make them warmer. Um, it could also look at doing, doing double glazing on windows because that actually does make a big difference in how well your home gets heated. So that's a big part of that. Um, But also what another fun part of that is that you can buy hybrid vehicles with it or electric ones, especially, um, which everyone seems to be tossing out there, is Teslas. You can go and take this home loan and you can go and buy a Tesla with it. So yeah, so like you said, it it is a very low rate of 1%. So comparatively, if you were to go out and go get um, a second tier or a non-main bank, funding for it so through through one of those car loan companies the rates on those is usually 12 13 percent and they usually have upfront fees on them too so you know if you have to pay 12 13 percent per year on 70k you're gonna go broke that's gonna be so expensive <laughs> yeah whereas on one percent your repayments are about fifty dollars a week hmm. for the first three years of that of that 70k yeah that's really good $50 a week, you know, if you spend $100 a week on gas, for example, you know, you drive to and from work, you switch over to an electric vehicle, that may only cost you $20 a week to drive, mm. you pay $50 for a mortgage repayment on it, and you're still saving $30 yeah. a week. It's essentially a free car. It is a very low, cheap car. Yeah. The thing to note, however, is, is once those three years are up, you do go back onto standard rates. But nonetheless, you've got a 30-year term on this. Yeah. So $70,000 over 30 years is going to be a, is a very small repayment. It's just over $1,000 per year mm. in, real, in reality, right? So that's a lot more easily managed than trying to pay 12, 13% over five. Yeah. So paying back 70K in five years is going to be way more difficult to do. So for a lot of people, this is really great. Um, for those people who are really keen and interested in getting a Tesla, this may really be the push. And, yeah. you know, Tesla may see themselves getting a lot of orders really soon. <laughs> um, I mean, I've also seen some other agencies out there right now chucking Teslas out there like they're candy when you go to buy one of their houses. So I think Teslas seem uh, to be yes. the, the magic word to get people to buy your stuff at mm. this point. But yeah, so as for the banks, however, ANZ is the only one offering this green energy product yeah. so far. Yeah. Um, we haven't heard any other news. Mm. Um, um, can it be a secondhand car as well? 
Uh, the, I don't think they've specified as to whether it can or can't be, as long as it's an electric or hybrid. Right. So if you were to go to a secondhand car dealer mm. and to buy an electric or hybrid car from them, as long as you can provide proof that you're purchasing it, then yeah, sure, mm. they'll more than happily give you the loan. Best part about it is that it is a redraw facility. So if you were to pay back some of that money, uh, say you borrowed that that ATK for to do all your, uh, say you used it all to buy the Tesla, you paid it all back or paid back 10, 20K, and then you decided, oh, I need a new heat pump. You could then redraw that 20K and go buy yourself a new heat pump. So the maximum limit that you can redraw on that 1% over the three years is $500,000 at 1%, as long as you repay it back as you go, right? So over the whole time, your total limit's only 80K, but you could have repaid it back so many times now that as long as you are using it for environmentally friendly purposes, you can draw up to 500K at 1%. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Um, yeah. Very environmentally friendly, really good push, especially now considering that gas prices are going up. Yeah, um, we are we are moving into more the hybrid and electric correct. side of things. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So it's definitely a push mm. that people should switch mm. over to these hybrid and electric vehicles. Mm. And this is just another great incentive. Um, and, you know, reach out if you, if you think that might be you, if you're an ANZ customer who has a home loan and you want to get in on us, mm. you know, mm. reach out to us. We'll be happy to help you out. Um, and also... Uh, does this count for the the rebate, the electric vehicle rebate? Well, yeah, because you're purchasing an electric vehicle, well, so you, you can go. also apply for the rebate as yeah. well. So that's its own thing, right? That's its own thing through the government. So where, however you fund the purchase, that's entirely up to you. If you fund it through the loan, that's up to you. As long as you're purchasing that electric car, you can apply for the rebate. Well, it sounds like a lot of good things um, with this one. But what other banks are going for the big cashback? I heard Westpac is doing one too. Westpac, BNZ, and Kiwi Bank are all offering 1%. Now, the main criteria for that is that you do have to be doing 20% deposit. If you're doing less than 20% deposit upfront for the owner-occupied purchase, then you will be just offered standard rates. Okay. So what they're doing here is they're really just trying to push people to come in who have got that 20% because it helps their books so that they can push money out into those that don't have 20 percent yeah which is a lot of the which is a lot of the people at the moment right people who haven't got 20 percent deposit sitting in their bank accounts ready to go um their pool is quite limited so pushing people that do to come in and take out these loans means that they can start giving more money out to yeah. those other places mm. yeah which helps out um deal with a lot of those low home low equity first home buyers a lot helps them get their home yeah. loans well to be fair any cashback is always good Free money is free money. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. Now, uh, on to the next topic. Ormiston is a town that has become somewhat famous in Auckland mm. uh, this year uh, in a very unfortunate way, I would say. Uh, there have been a lot of de- developments all over Auckland. Uh, some have had to stop entirely because, well, developers run out of money. This is how the South Auckland suburb has made headlines, unfortunately. Mm. One of their much bigger sites have put more disappointment to their customers lately uh, by delaying their settlements by another three months. Um, just to give you guys some context, uh, this is actually a really sad situation. And I'm sorry if that is, you know, you, especially for those first home buyers, mm. right? Here's one of the comments on social media that uh, shares their experience with uh, a certain company that, you know, decided to make a huge build down in Ormiston. And they've been massively let down. So the quote says, um, just settled on another one of their projects. Appalling finish, shoddy work and endless issues. 
We've settled after waiting three years. They keep saying that they'll do remedial work, which they're actually contractually required to do anyway. But I put money on them to stall as much as possible and then go into liquidation. As first home buyers with a young family, they've stolen the joy of buying our first home. They've strung us along for years, lied to our faces and cost us more money. So first of all, we won't say the company's name just because they might come and get us. Yeah, but if you want to have a look at this article, it'll be online. It'll be easy to find. Hmm. But um, Keelan, this has been happening more and more these days, just hmm. simply because well, developers are biting off way more than they can chew. Hmm. And I do feel for those first home buyers who have been waiting such a long time for their first home, only to find out that the company they've signed on for have lost money mm, mm. so what's the advice here so there's a, it, it is it is a really really terrible situation right yeah. you've been waiting on this home for so many years you know they mm. promised you'd be done in like six or 12 and it's still not even there um my it, it's really hard everyone's situation is a bit different and every developer likes to take a different approach to this yeah um but step number one i'd always like to say is consult your lawyer please go back and have a talk to them about this situation. Um, definitely check in on your sunset clause. Make sure you have got a sunset clause in there that only relates to you exiting the contract, mm -hmm. not the developer. Um, so previously in the past, uh, quite frequently in Australia, the sunset clause is being phrased in a way that allows the developer to withdraw the contract, not you. The sunset clause is there to protect you to incentivize the developer. Yeah. So the way that people have been using it in the past, developers, not every developer, poor, poor developers, they've been using it and including a term which says that we have a right as a developer to withdraw your contract if building hasn't progressed on time to suit your schedule. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't work because what that means is that they get their deposit up front and then they can start listing it at a higher price in the future when it's closer to the build. They can use their, they can use your money. They continue to to market, and until the point where they've secured another deposit at a higher purchase price, mm. so that they can then refund you your deposit and still make more money. So either way, they've got like the best of both. They've got a security there, being that somebody will buy this property, but they also have the option to buy to sell it off at a higher price. So starting point here would probably be to get your sunset clause checked up. Mm. Get it checked out to the point where the sunset clause is going to be in your favor, not the developers. Yeah. Also check on your um, their right to increase construction costs because that clause has been pulled out quite a lot of times. I think there was a young couple uh, a couple of months ago. They got called out on their business on their on their building cost clause. So what that means is is that the developers actually have the right to ask you for more money to complete the build because of increased construction costs. Yeah. Which nowadays is happening every single week. <laughs> Jib shortages, building supply material shortages because of how many developers there are out there. They're all trying to fight for the same materials and it's just running out. Yes. So what happens is, is when there's a shortage of stuff, what's left gets charged off at a much higher price. And so that's the problem is, is that if you signed on for a home at 800K, but they come back to you and say it's now going to cost a million dollars, we need another 200K at least. Yeah. Where are you going to find Where that money? Where are you going to come that money from? Yeah. yeah. And and it, that is to be paid out on completion as well. So if you could afford the mortgage on that, I guess that's all right. But at the same time, not everybody has got the financial position to be able to come up with 200 more thousand dollars, especially when you say, yeah, cool, mm -hmm. I'm great at 800. 
Yeah, Why would you ma- want to fork out more money for the same yeah. house? And the majority of the people who are buying these new builds are ones who have only 5 or 10% deposit. Mm. They haven't got the capability to go yeah. up on these extra charges. So if you can have it removed, that would be in your absolute best case. Yep. Try and have them remove this um, because if they can't chart up your build costs, they're going to have to fit within the specifications. Pushes them to make sure that they can fit this build. Um, another thing to consider is that even though the builders have got, the builder can take as long as they like in reality because you know they can't lock you in they can't sign an agreement which says we'll be able to get this completed in six to 12 months because things come up. So unfortunately, the only thing you can do from your perspective is that when these houses do take longer to build, if you've bought them directly off the plan where there's no pre-work being done at all, um, is just constantly keep keep a check on your mortgage approval. You You should have a mortgage approval at this point though before you've entered into the agreement. And just check how much longer is this valid for? When do I need to renew it? Will I still meet the banking criteria? Because the thing is, is that bank approvals are only valid for about three to six months at the latest. And even the six month ones are under very special conditions. So if you could only, if you're only gonna approve for three months and the build's gonna take another six, where are you gonna find the money when the build comes to complete? So you kind of have to be a little bit more mindful on how your actual approval is gonna go. So for some people, it's just you're just going to have to check in every once in a while. If you've got a broker, the broker will go back to the bank for you and go, oh, hey, look, can we please extend it? Banks are usually fine with that because they understand construction, right? Um, But they'll have to test you. They'll have to test you again under current criteria. And if you go on the past where we were looking at 4% and we're now looking at 6 for testing, you may not fit in that criteria anymore. So your broker may need to go look somewhere else for you to try and find the money. The other option is if you are super stuck into it, you could consider offloading the property before it's finished. So you could contact a real estate agent to have them sell off the property. You probably will lose your deposit at the very least. So you otherwise default on your deposit or you try and sell it and make your money back but you're going to have to pay tax, you're going to have to pay legal fees, and you're going to have to pay your agent's cut. So, you know, you probably might get back half of your deposit or you may just break even. And that's probably the only other way to get out of your contract. Um, The other probably third or the fourth and final one that you could consider is just not looking at a new build, at least until it started to be built. Yeah, not buying something completely off the ground where there's no work done. There's it's just an empty slab, right? Yeah. Maybe try to look for something that's at least started construction, uh, whether it be the concreting, framing. Um, if they've got a roof on it and they're still ready to sell, maybe consider those ones because at least then with those homes, most of the heavy work or most of the stuff that takes a long time to get ready has already been done. Yeah. Uh, typically, these ones are more expensive because they have had work done already. Correct. Yes, yeah. so they're closer to completion. Yeah. But if you have to pay a little bit extra for a lot more certainty and probably a lot closer to finish. Yeah, it's it, worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. Um, and also picking a big company to work with. Because one thing that people don't consider about these 10-year build guarantees is that the 10-year build guarantees are tied to the company. They're not tied to the personal individual who owns the company. So for some smaller um, developers that work, they'll start a company, build their houses, liquidate the company after all the sales, and then go on to start a new development company. 
And doing that, they don't have to honor any of the build guarantees because that may be tied against developer A, but developer A no longer exists. Yeah. So developer B will go out and go get a 10-year build guarantee and then slap that on all their houses. And look, you can charge more money now because it comes with a 10-year build guarantee. So if you pick a large company, there's a lot less likely of a chance that they're going to take this approach to business mm. because they have a brand behind them and they already have enough money sunk in that that kind of approach doesn't work for them. So you have big companies like mm. Fletcher's Construction. Um, we Build. The Kiwi Build companies, mm. all of those ones. Those are large-scale companies, right? So they are most likely to honor any of those contracts. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that these guys are perfect. Everybody has their own faults. We have our own faults, right? Yeah. But these guys are most likely to still be there when you come back to call on your 10-year mm. build guarantee yeah. compared to smaller firms, which were only created last year. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, it is a very crap situation to be yeah. in. Um, a lot of people put a lot of their hopes and their dreams into these properties. They were ready to move 6, 12, 18 months ago, and they're still sitting there with just concrete in the ground. Well, like this this guy on Facebook, mm. he had to wait three years. Three years is a ridiculously long time. Yeah. yeah. And I think by that point, maybe even after year two, I'd just lose hope yeah. in a way. And it is a sucky situation to be in. I think one good advice would also be just be patient with it. You do have to kind of take a step back. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, if you don't want to risk all of what we've just been talking about and wait that much or risk your deposit, you know, there's nothing wrong with renting for another few years until you get enough to buy a house that's already been done. There, there is a couple of ways because even the homes that are completed, as long as you purchase them directly off the developer, the completed homes, they still classify for the exemptions, the 5%, the 10%, the 15% deposit, right? It doesn't have to be a property which is not built. Yep. Those are just the ones that are most likely to be sold because you can get them cheaper because nothing started right as long as you are purchasing it directly off the builder then you can still fall under that special exemption so there's plenty of new builds out there that are sitting there ready to go yeah ready for you to move in and you can actually walk in and see the house mm. so maybe try those if you're just worried about the, your developer going under yeah mm. and if you do get some help on your side like a property mentor or a mortgage broker who's really experienced mm. You know, maybe you can strategize with that person um, mm -hmm. to best suit your situation. Yeah. And a, and a lot of them, everyone's situation is different, yeah. right? But as long as you understand what your options are, mm. at least then you can make the right decision for you. Whether yeah. it be that, you know, you have to stick it out, you try to on-sell it, or you take the loss mm. and move on from your deposit. But not a lot of people are going to be in that situation. Most people aren't going to give up their 70 80 90k because that's all no, you have right no and a lot of these headlines are you know extreme situations yes and unfortunately these extreme situations do happen but let's move on to some more sad news kaylin um the much loved weekend barbecue for a lot of people and families and tradies uh for the first time in 15 years the bunnings warehouse sausage sizzle has had to go up in price from two dollars fifty per sausage to three dollars fifty um, but before you panic, this is only being implemented in Australia. But, you know, being a, a very close cousin to Australia, we might get it very soon yes. as well. Yes. Now, I remember back in high school, this was only a dollar. I just remember it was gold coin. It was yeah. a gold coin donation. It had nothing to do with being 
like a fixed number, right? It was just like, give us a gold coin donation. Yeah. And that was it. That was all you needed to do. So, yeah. So, unfortunately, um, this is a sign of the, the, you know, this is just another current thing times. about current times of the OCR with inflation and everything else going on in the markets. Um, unfortunately, uh, the classic Aussie and New Zealand snack at uh, Bunnings has now had to be bumped up in price. $3.50. And that's Aussie dollar too. So, it'll be like five, $4 for us, four-ish dollars. Yeah, it won't be it won't be too bad, but if I have mm. to start handing over a bill, <laughs> yeah, five dollars or something to, to, to get yeah. um, a sausage, yeah, I think I'm gonna have to start yeah. crying. <laughs> yeah, um, for, so for those who don't know, these sausage sizzles um, are primarily for charitable companies. Correct. So they run these outside of the Bunnings warehouses, and they you know they obviously get the money back for it. So the New Zealand Bunnings director has mentioned that they've raised around four point eight million dollars in the last five years, and this is including. COVID times. Mm, mm. So that's that's quite a lot of money. And I would say that's a that's lot of millions. millions. <laughs> so yeah, so now like um I don't know if they're gonna be they're doing this in order because the things cost more and they want to keep the same level of donations, right? Yeah. Or if the things are costing more and the donations will simply decrease to offset that. Hopefully, you know, they're gonna keep the donations the same, right? But um unfortunately I hope that they're doing this for the right reasons. Um, and not really to, to to line the pockets or anything like that of anybody. But yeah, we this has been such a tradition outside Bunnings for so long. They've, yeah. they've always been there for charities, school events, for school sports clubs to really raise money for themselves. Yeah. In such a because it's it's free. They do rent those spaces out for free. Yeah. As long as you're doing it for a charity or for uh, you know for a, a community service purpose, they'll rent them out to mm. you for free. There's no they don't take any cuts or anything like that. Yeah. Or they provide the gas the barbecues, the, the tents, everything like that is all free. Um, so for, for the actual sausage now to have to start going up to $3.50, it, it's, yeah, it's unfortunately, it's an unfortunate sign of things to come or yeah. the way things are going now. And really, it's not that much and it is going to a good cause, I guess. So mm. keep buying them, I'd say. Keep buying them, keep supporting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Keelan, back to some travel news. I think we might have to make this another permanent uh, section on this podcast. Mm. What should we call it? I've got a few ideas. Should we call it fly or die? Well, I think that's a little grim. <laughs> I think that's a little okay, grim. Okay, okay, okay. What about, hey, what's happening over there? Over there outside of Auckland. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Uh, um, that one's not too bad. Yeah, you got the others? Bad. No, that's all I got. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll so just keep it. We'll, we'll think of something. We'll keep it open. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yes, travel news. Uh, so we do like to talk about travel news. It does, you know, it, it does affect us quite a bit because we do want to travel, you know. Um, so Air New Zealand has reported that about 57,000 customers have contacted the airline over the past week. Around 20,000 of them requesting cancellations and the rest wanting to uh, change their flight dates. Um, their chief executive commented that this is not just because of COVID, mm. it's also just the winter flu as well. So mm. it looks like this winter is hitting every corner of New Zealand now. Mm. We're not just blaming it on COVID no. and having our flights canceled. No. Yeah. So it looks like they've dubbed it Air Mageddon. Um, <laughs> Pretty grim. <laughs> which, which is really grim. But I think it kind of makes sense. Having 20,000 people calling you in a week. To cancel. To cancel or rebook your flights. Yeah, that's... Ooh, yeah, yeah for 57,000. 57,000 customers. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a lot of That calls. is a lot. 
that's a lot of that's stuff. a lot of work for the call center yeah that's a lot of work for a call center to yeah. like for one that's like oh it usually maybe gets like a hundred a day mm. getting fifty seven thousand customers trying to rebook them in a yeah. in, in a week yeah somehow this uh this winter has become like the worst one in the past few years mm. um, not just because of covid like for example i i've had the flu at least twice and my wife's had COVID once. So I've had to isolate for one week. Mm. And none of those times did I get COVID. So it was really just the flu. <laughs> so I just, just, the, just the good old flu, yeah. not, not COVID, no. not Delta. It's just good old fashioned, the flu. It's just the flu. Just but the it's, flu. It's, changed, it's changed things a lot. Yeah. And it, yeah, unfortunately, it looks like New Zealand is getting a bit of flack for it. Um, with a lot of these people, you know, having picked um, the non-flexi fares, yeah. So they're they're quite upset that they can't rebook. Now, in Air New Zealand's defense, you know that's the whole point as to why you would you pay yeah, extra for the yeah. flexi, right? Yeah. Is that if something goes wrong or you can't catch that flight, mm. then you just move it. So a lot of these people are quite pissed yeah. that they are losing money. Yeah. Quite angry that they are yeah. losing money out on these flights. And right? we still have the tightest rules in terms of flying around. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we do have to do that test, uh, COVID tests, and we have to wear a mask in the planes. But I think even not- going to Australia at the moment, it's a pre-departure declaration, a COVID test by an approved center, mm. proof of all vaccinations, an arrival. Um, proof of negative one of their declaration cards that is accepted by them from your own country oh man and that's just to get over to aussie yeah that's just to get over to aussie i think that has lightened up a little bit now mm. but you know there was still some incredibly tight restrictions Rule, yeah. and stuff like that to do it so yeah so for these you know for so many people here right now just trying to reschedule a flight when they don't really have the ability, and so it's understandably got people really mad. Yeah. Um, you know, I would be pretty angry myself if I'd spent, you know, say going overseas, like 10,000, maybe five, depending on how many people you yeah, for a full holiday. For yeah. a full holiday, you know, that's all now lost. Um, it's going, going to be, be it's going to be tough. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately, I think this is just an example here of us getting back to normal while these places are still going through rehiring and staffing shortages. Yes. Yeah. So speaking of staffing shortages, um, we have had that hit. Mm. I know from our previous episodes, we've talked about how in New Zealand in the next few months wants to hire at least another 1,100 staff. Now, for example, I've had a few friends who did domestic flights to Wellington and Christchurch. And because of the lack of ground staff, Mm. Their, their flights have either been moved to another day or another time. My flights to Queenstown have moved and I, I'm flying flying with Jetstar, but it's not Jetstar that has the, 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 the issue. issue. It's the airport, Queenstown Airport. Right. So I've had to move my, you know, they've moved my mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they are low on staff and, you know, sickness is going all, all over the place. And I think that's unfortunately the case, right, is that we, I think also that we're experiencing the moment is the great it's called the great resignation or the great move is oh, that people yeah. everyone's changing jobs they, they've reached the point now two years after everything that's happened is that generally two to three years is the cycle when people start to readjust and move jobs again yeah. um generally the rule of thumb like yeah. that's the most case right and, and so, heaps going overseas yeah and heaps going overseas too yeah. so we've got people going overseas we've got people reaching that two to three year bump and so they're now going oh i need to change jobs and this all leads back to the fact of when COVID started and a lot of people did lose their jobs, right? So by the time they got themselves on their feet again, 
everybody else is getting their self sorted and then now we're reaching this like repeating cycle um so hopefully we don't experience this again but you know couple that with the flu and covid and people just getting ill and leaving there's just not enough people kicking around to take care of everything it's still quite a sensitive situation now anyway so anytime you get some sort of symptom you have to have a test you know, because yeah. again, we don't want to go through this lockdown again. So everyone has to be extra safe. So mm-hmm. as soon as you get a sniffle, test, mm-hmm. you know, so everyone has to be careful. Um, but let's move away from the travel news and back to finance. Mm. Um, what are these credit scores? Credit scores. So your credit score is, is essentially how places, institutions, they, they assess how good you are with your money. Mm. It's essentially their rule of thumb for how they, they monitor you, how they make sure that you're making your repayments. And if they're looking at you for new lending or to take out a credit card to buy a new phone on a phone plan, you know, how trustworthy you are at actually making your repayments on time and stuff. It's basically, you know, your score, which determines how good you are with your money. So for those of us that you know have a mortgage or they have a loan, you know every time you make a repayment on time, that's going to help with your credit score. It's going to take it up. Um, but every time you make a late repayment or you miss it um, or you default in an absolute worst case, mm. that's going to leave a very big black mark on your your score. Um, so I think in most cases, a score below six hundred is considered okay not great anything above that and you're starting to get into you know really good really trustworthy Mm. and really able to take care of his money on Mm. time yeah so the reason why i'm asking you this is because uh one roof has put out an article asking the question how your credit scores affect your mortgage chances now Mm. you say this is a point-based system how does it affect your mortgage so every time you apply to the bank for a mortgage they check you any bank any bank so anytime you go to a bank for a mortgage um, or even a loan, they are going to run your credit. They are going to run your numbers. They are going to go, cool, where has he applied to before? What's been his history like? Um, and what's his score right now? So what happens is every time somebody makes a check on you, that leaves a note and mm. it actually brings down your credit score. Because it means that you're applying and you're trying to get lending approved to some extent. Is that different to requesting, you know, inquiring for something like a mortgage? So when you go, to, well, when you go to, if you're asking a bank about a mortgage and how much you can afford, like yeah. if you're just asking for like a general rule of thumb, or yeah. if you're talking to a broker, they're going to go. Uh, they're not actually going to apply to the bank and have your credit checked at oh, the okay. first stage, right? Yeah. Not until you're ready. Um, at the point where you're ready, though, and you actually go to the bank, that's when your credit score is going to be run because the bank needs to see what your credit worthiness is like before they approve your loan. Oh, yeah. So if in the case that you have defaulted or made late repayments in the past, the bank may be less likely to trust you with such a large sum of money for the simple fact that you may make late repayments yeah. or you could default. Essentially, they can't trust you with those. They can't anymore. trust you with the money. Yeah. So you know, if you borrowed $4,000, and you defaulted on that, who's to say, you know, why would they trust you with four, five, six hundred thousand dollars? You know, who yeah. who wants to take that risk on you because you couldn't maintain, you couldn't control yourself enough to repay for. Yeah. So that is the risk. And the problem is that every time you go to a new bank, you ask them to, can I get a mortgage from you? It, it affects your credit score, especially when you apply and you don't get anything out of it. 
if you don't actually take a loan yeah. from that bank and go somewhere else, you're going to continuously bring down your credit score. And the further you go and the more runs you try, the lower your credit score is going to be by the time you actually get to somebody who could support your lending. Yeah. And then they go to look at your credit and it's like, oh, hang on, this man's <laughs> looked at 12 other banks. Why did 12 other banks not approve him? Yeah. And so that raises more questions, yeah. right? They can see every time your credit gets run. Mm. Yeah, everyone else. Do um, near bank lenders use this as well? Yes. Yep. 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 Anytime that there is um, a lending involved, mm. um, it's in the the lender's best interest to run your credit because otherwise they don't know who you are and they don't know what you're like with your money. So yeah. you can you can talk them up for all you'd like, but then when they go to run your credit, you could be terrible. <laughs> you can never have made an on time repayment in your life. Yeah. Um. So you said a good credit score. Well, not great, but good is mm. around 600. Is mm. that enough to get, let's say, a 900K house? Well, your credit score doesn't directly relate to how much mortgage you'll be approved for, right? All oh, right. That stuff is all dependent on your deposit, your servicing, mm. and your expenses. That's, that's what the banks will be looking at. So your credit score is just going to determine whether or not the bank is confident enough to give you that money. Hmm. The bank is confident enough that you'll actually make your repayments because you could have a super strong income, but you could have the ability to repay a loan on time by like a week late every time. No bank's going to want to lend you yeah. money if you're consistently late because then the question comes, you have so much money or you have so much money coming in, why can't you repay this on time? Yeah, sounds a bit irresponsible. Yeah. So the credit, the, your credit score really will determine whether or not they are confident mm. in borrowing you the money. Mm. Your your deposit, your income, and your expenses will really show them whether or not you can repay that money. Yeah. yeah, and that's where the difference is. Does it renew at some point? Let's say you do have a bad habit of not repaying, and then you want to change your ways, change your life. At you, one point, does it renew? You, it's not. It's not like it resets yeah, every right. year. So you have to rebuild that trust. Um, in order to do that, you have to be able to get yourself on top of your spending. So, you know, any loans that you have at the moment, you have to get them under control. You have to start making your payments on time right. and rebuild it up. It can take probably anywhere from 12, 18, 24 months to rebuild a credit score. It's a very slow process. It's very easy to burn, yeah. very hard to build back. So it's something you want to just get right the first time. You don't want to sit there destroying your credit score. So it does look like you do have to be responsible with, you know, with everything in life. Yeah, you have to, yeah, you especially, have to be responsible. You have to do it right the yeah, first time because yeah. Yeah, one, one mistake can send you back. Mm, especially if you are wanting to buy a house. There's a lot of things along the way, like, you know, all the subjects that we've talked about. Mm. And you don't want to be defaulting or selling off that house that you've worked so hard on. So that's a good way to end it, Keelan. This has been an interesting episode being... So, yeah, what are you up to this weekend, Keelan? I think it's going to be a, uh, a busy one for myself. I think I'm heading out into the town for the weekend. I'm going to go do some stuff in the city. Just get out, explore. Mm. No Not Denny's, though? No Denny's. Uh, no Denny's. Yeah. Closes at 11 p.m. now, so that's I'm a shame. I'm not going to get there in time. <laughs> yeah, and I'm actually looking forward to not doing anything this weekend except sitting down and watching some good TV. That sounds like a solid idea. Yeah, yeah, I've been busy for the last weekends. Well, anyway, uh, thanks for having us again. Um, if you do want to, you know, send us an email or any comments, um, you can contact us through uh, Finax or you can contact us through um, our podcast email. It is keepingyourhousewarm.co.nz. Uh, look forward to hearing from you. Otherwise, have a good week. See, See ya. ya.